Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. This is a podcast. You are listening to it in your ears, I hope. I don't know through what, what other orifice you would hear this. That's a medical issue that I cannot address in the time that I have allotted here. Uh, welcome to the show. Welcome aboard this week's guest. I won't even tease it. Why should I tease it? Because you, when you clicked on this, you probably saw the name. So... There's no point in me being coy. Uh, the guest today is Mr. Jack Black, uh, actor, comedian, um, mini mogul. He's produced a lot of stuff, so I can call him that. Uh, and star of The D Train, a new movie out in theaters, which you should seek out. But I'll get to that in a second. First, let me catch you up on uh, what's going on in my universe. Uh, been back home this week. Uh, busy week. Taped Mr. Black. Uh, for the podcast, uh, did some interviews with, oh, here's a movie I want to recommend. You've probably heard about this one if you're in the know. Uh, Ex Machina, great sci-fi thriller um, exploration of AI. Um, You know, it's kind of a futuristic tale, but really not like, this is not Blade Runner, this is not hundreds of years in the future, this is like, what could happen uh, five years from now? Uh, it's directed by Alex Garland, who uh, wrote Sunshine and The Beach. Uh, this is his first directing effort. Excellent movie. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Especially, there's actually a, a good amount of, of really quality movies, given that we're in, in May, which, frankly, usually we have to wait till September, I feel like, to get some really good movies. But I would, I would recommend Ex Machina. The reason I mention it is I got a chance to interview um, uh, Alicia Vikander. I believe that's how you pronounce her name. I think it's Alicia because that's how she introduced herself to me. Uh, and Donald Gleason. Uh, Donald Gleason, you may know uh, for an underrated movie, uh, About Time. I would recommend that. He's also going to be the new Star Wars film. Got a chance to talk to them about this one. Um, some of the content is up on MTV's uh, YouTube channel. Seek it out for an interview with them. Um, what else is going on? Saw some good movies. Um, I'm obsessing about, I can't talk about it yet because the embargo's not up, but the fact that I'm obsessing about Mad Max Fury Road should tell you all you need to know. We'll get into that in a few days next week. Trust me. Um, and not much else. I'm catching up on some TV. Have you guys watched the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I'm like five episodes in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crank through the rest in the next few days. I'm loving it from the same team that brought you 30 Rock. I'm a little late to the bandwagon. I get it, but I've been busy with movies. What can I say? Um, so, yes. So, before we get into Mr. Jack Black, as always, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Send me your questions. And without any further ado, let's dive into uh, a question this week from, I'm looking, let's see, from Mary's World. Well, Mary's World, here's your question. Um, Josh, uh, what does Tom Hiddleston smell like? I'm cutting, fre- I'm guessing, fresh cut grass and lemons. Um, excellent guess. I don't recall him smelling like fresh cut grass and lemons. Um, I probably don't remember much of an odor, which is a good thing. Usually you don't want to remember the odor of somebody. That's usually a negative connotation. Um, my, here's my Tom Hiddleston odor-related anecdote, as it were. Really, it's not much odor-related, but it's, you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, I once had a, you know, you have these uncomfortable, okay, so it's one thing to, like, interview people in an in interview context. They come to you, you go to them, yada, yada. I was, I was out in Los Angeles. I live in New York. And I was out in Los Angeles. I was actually going to do a bit with Tom, uh, a sketch um, in L.A. a couple years ago, um, the next day, and... I went to the hotel uh, gym, and I, yes, I work out occasionally, okay? Stop judging me. Um, I was leaving the gym, and um, who walked in but Tom? So, that's unusual. I don't know how you guys feel about running into people you know at the gym. Um, I don't feel good about it. I don't want to see my coworkers, my friends, my loved ones, anyone I even remotely know at the gym. I just don't. Let alone an actor I really respect, Tom, if you're listening. It was great to see you, but I wasn't necessarily looking to see you at the gym. Now I can say it. Um, And he was lovely, but what happened then, it was literally, oh, here's the other thing. We were the only two people in the gym. We were literally the only two people in the gym. So he walks in, I'm on my way out, then I feel compelled to stop and, and we're talking, and I just have this vivid memory, we're sitting on like the mats, just talking for like 20 minutes as he's stretching. I'm pretending like I 
I'm not done with my workout. Like, what? what um, should I just stay here? Are we just chit-chatting at a gym for an hour? What do I do? How does this end? So it's not really odor-related, except that I associate gyms, gymnasiums, as it were, with uh, odors. And I don't remember him smelling sweaty or anything, though he had just arrived at the gym, so why would he smell? I probably smelled. I was leaving the gym. Um, so Tom smells great in answer to your question. Uh, thanks for your question. And uh, keep them coming in. Uh, send them to me at Joshua Horowitz with the hashtag happy, sad, confused. Um, okay, back to the order at hand, uh, the event of the day, which is Jack Black. Um, so thrilled that Jack came into my office to chat uh, last week. Um, I've done a lot with Jack over the years. He is always game for... He's just like a great personality. He's one of those guys, I, I feel like I say this a lot, but the people I always gravitate towards, A, they need to have a sense of humor. B, they need to have a sense of humor about themselves. C, I, I, it's better if what you see is what you get, and that's exactly what Jack is. He's um, as you would expect him to be. I mean, the... Um, Colin, who's probably listening to this, our photographer was there, and he said to me afterwards, like, that's exactly what I hoped he would be like. Um, so, Colin, see, that, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's, that, those are the good ones. Um, Jack is in a new movie called The D-Train, which I, we don't reveal too much in this, so don't worry about spoilers. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this one in that there are some twists and turns in it. The less you know going in, the better. So I'm not going to say too much except to say that Jack's in it, James Marsden's in it. It's a little bit fucked up in a good way. Um, it's produced by Mike White, who did Chuck and Buck way back when. So that could give you a little hint of where the story's going. It's a, it's a dark, slightly subversive, edgy, weird uh, comedy that I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, also worth noting, Jack's got a new show called The Brink, which I've seen the first two episodes of. We don't really talk too much about it, except keep an eye out. It comes out in about a month or so on HBO. Um, really cool cast, directed by Jay Roach of Austin Powers fame. Um, and it's kind of got a like a little Dr. Strangelove-ish uh, vibe to it. It's a political satire, comedy, good stuff from Jack Black. Um, always an entertaining guest and always a great performer. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I know I did. Enjoy Mr. Jack Black. Yeah, that's an entrance. Yeah. I would expect nothing less. Hey, Look at you. Don't worry about it. Stay there. Okay. okay. We're going to do it over here? Yeah, this is what we need. This is like a papal. What are, what are we doing? What's happening? I don't know. How would you describe this for audio there's, purposes? There's, right now, I'm embracing the two there's, hands. There's, there's two hands holding. I love your sunglasses. Uh, this one's shaking, but this one's just holding. <laughs> I, want, I want the best of all possible worlds. There was formality and there was love. <laughs> Oh, that sums up our uh, relationship, I that's feel. That's right. It's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, too. I'm not going to let you see the windows to my soul, though. I'm going to wear these sunglasses to keep a, a, a cool air of separation. What did George Stephanopoulos do to you this morning that you're hiding behind those shades, dude? George did very little to me. <laughs> uh, we talked for about 20 seconds. Most of the 20 seconds was about touched by an angel. I there saw. There wasn't a lot about I confess the, I watched. You saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you'd be so kind, bring in the mic. You know, you know how to do this, buddy. You want this tight? You want, want this tight, tight, tight and intimate? Thanks, my friend. Boom, baby, boom, baby, um, bing, bing, boom. This is this is just for us. This is we've it's had a lot of fun over here. It's good to be here. I've never been here in your private office. The inner sanctum. The officina. It's just you and me in here. I see you're a fan of The Color of Money, one of my favorite Martin Scorsese films. I always feel like it's an underrated one. It is underrated. It's a it's a sequel to. Uh, Hustler. The the hustler, which is one of my all time favorite movies, and it it does not disappoint. It's like you know, it's right there with the hustler in terms of uh, drama and intrigue and just plain straight up entertainment. And I also feel like you know, often they say like Newman got the Oscar for it, and it was like like they almost feel like it was like a make good for his career. No, he fucking rocked it. He in that. crushed it, was amazing. it. He crushed it. And Tom Cruise's best work, some say, and. Uh, and uh have you you and marty ever ever talked um you know we've never uh exchanged pleasantries but one time he was involved in a charity and he or one of his people sent a request that a bunch of uh celebrities draw pictures about christmas <laughs> to raise money for this 
charity. I think it was feeding hungry kids or something. And I worked very hard. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this a Scorsese Christmas. This I know what he wants. <laughs> this is your audition tape. And so tape, I drew a, a beautiful picture of Satan Claus. <laughs> and I thought it was clever because it's just one letter change oh, to see. make Satan instead oh, of Santa. Yeah, I get it. It's the same letters, in fact. It's just moved around a jambalaya. No, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I sent it over. It was Satan Claus, and he was being pulled by uh, a bunch of like gargoyle monsters instead of reindeer. Right. And um, it just looked pretty badass. It sounds amazing. It was pretty bitching. It wasn't just a scribble. It was like I, I took time. I got shading on there and yeah. colors. And uh, it it was returned to me, and they said, "Yeah, no, we can't. Uh, we can't do. It's a children's charity." And, <laughs> And, um, Children and Satan don't go well together, generally speaking. Yeah, I don't. I don't even think Scorsese ever saw the the drawing, if so I don't want to blame him. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. would have loved it. It yeah. was made for him. And maybe in the back of my mind, I thought when he sees this, he's going to put me in his next movie. But then he just he, but just, he just got it's Jonah, Jonah Hill instead because he's younger and funnier. <laughs> I don't blame it. him. I'd not get true. Jonah Hill too. Not true. Um, Congratulations in earnest, all earnestness. I have, uh, I spoke to you in Sundance. I saw the D train. I love the D train. Truly. Um, I also got a chance to watch the first couple episodes of the brink. Also crazy. Amazing. Thank you. As soon as I heard about that one, I was like all in, uh, you know, little Dr. Strange glove ish. Yeah. Ishtar. And I mean that as a, as a compliment. I liked Ishtar. I'm one of those. Now you, do you think that he wore a strange glove in Dr. Strange glove? He did as a matter of fact, didn't he? Uh, yes, he did. <laughs> now that you mention it, he did. Um, are you doing double duty right now on the press store? Or are you mostly no, on the D train right now? I'm keeping it clean, strictly D train. And here's why. I think it muddies the issue when, when actors go out and talk about two upcoming projects. Got it. I'm going to go around and do all this stuff for, for uh, that show when it's time for that show. I don't like piggybackers. I'm like, stop stowing away on this uh, D train. <laughs> You hobo, and you come around when your uh, when your time has come. That's like a month from now. Right. I would like I would never. Moment. I would never promote a, a movie a month before it comes out because it's just too far out. Right. People don't want to hear about what you're doing in a month. No. They, they want to hear what what should I, what should I do this weekend? Well, yeah, they want because we can talk about what are we going to buy tickets out? to a thing they, a month out? Yeah, we're denying them. They want immediate gratification. Especially you can't in even set your TiVo to a month ahead. I wish you could. I would do that. Do you set your TiVo? I, I really, this is a big thing for me every week. Mm-hmm. I I immediately, as soon as like the weekend hits, I'm like, I schedule the whole next week. I go in hard. Yeah. I, I scroll through everything. I make sure I, I tape the talk shows I want to see. Yeah. If a Jack Black is on a show. Yeah. I'm recording that. Thank you. Are you a big uh, TiVoer? I do. TVR-er? I do. I do, but I don't go way ahead in advance. In the morning, if I think of it, I'll be like, okay, let me just quickly see who's going to be on the talk shows. Like you say, that's a good way to go. Um, this month I just block TiVo'd all Letterman's doesn't matter who's on because totally he's almost gone and he's such a national treasure and, uh, and I want every last drop because the thing is people think, oh, well I can always go back and watch the old episodes. No, with these talk shows, you need to watch them on the night that they came out. Maybe the next day if you TiVo'd it yeah, because, uh, they immediately lose some of their juicy sauce. Yeah. The, the, the talk shows like Letterman, you need to get them right out of the oven. And uh, this is the last week where it's you, the me. last couple of weeks where you can get them hot David Letterman straight out of the oven. <laughs> it's really upsetting, actually. Last night, as we taped this last night, they had like the primetime special. I watched that. Yeah. I'm exactly like you. I mean, I grew up with. So you Dave. watched, you watched Dave last night. I watched, so I, I watched the primetime special, which yeah. was like a retrospective. Oh and my I, God. And I watched the opening, which had uh, Will did yes. a little Harry Carey. Oh my I haven't, God. I haven't watched the rest of it yet. It That's amazing. great. So you didn't get to see me on Jimmy Fallon last night. I haven't seen that yet. That's not an edit in the audio. That no, I guess a, uh, yeah, you made your choice. Well, no, 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 I don't blame. No, no, I don't blame. No, no, you like totally yeah. sucked me into that. Yeah, we, yeah, we're, no, we're no, talking David all Letterman. Special. It's special. Uh, and then you lied and said that when you see that I'm going to be on a thing that you tape it and not this time. It must be on the time, DVR. I didn't even. All about the other guy. Do, do you think I make a point of recording GMA every morning? No, only if you know Will Ferrell is on <laughs> another channel. Would you not? 
Is it you? You mentioned the, the the Satan and the children, and and perhaps not being appropriate for kids. You have an interesting career in that you have yeah. a major. Um, you know, you've got the Kung Fu Pandas, you've got the Goosebumps coming out. Yeah. You are a, a icon for children the world over, yeah. and you also are able to do some pretty subversive shit, um, including the D Train. Yeah, is that something that? Was ever a concern? Is that te- does Team Black ever say, "Dude, you can't do a movie where you do that with James Marsden"? Because Kung Fu Panda Seven's coming. Oh yeah, you know, actually, yeah, that is a consideration. I'm like, wait a second, how is this going to play? When, uh, but I know that the world doesn't really do that. You can do things for different audiences, and yeah. it's okay. It, it works. I've done it before. Uh, and I can do it again. Um, I just, you know, when something cool comes along, you you do it. Yeah. There, there's not That's enough the cool things to say, you know, tiptoe tiptoe around the tulips. <laughs> not for me anyway. When I see gold, I I mine it. You don't care. Sizes. Damn the torpedoes. That's that's your motto. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a tattoo? Would you tattoo that if you had to tattoo a credo on yourself? Do you have any tattoos? I don't have any tattoos. tattoos? Damn the torpedoes. That's kind of lame, actually. Oh, the tattoo. Where would you put it? On your butt? Or right that's, on that's, your dick? Wow. Well, damn. Apparently you're better down than I am. this torpedo. How could you even fit all... I mean, that's, You'd be telling, my, telling your dick to go to hell. Why no tattoos? Um, I just never found one that I thought, wow, this really encapula- encapsulates who I am. It just seems like forever. I, I'm very uh, tentative when it comes to forever. Right. It's like picking movies or picking things or picking, you know, uh, loved ones. You got to pick wisely. And I just like, well, man, if you pick a tattoo that it sucks, you're stuck with it forever. Yeah, I could never pull the trigger. So what does that apply also to films? Are you do you act on instinct? Do you labor over it when the, the when the offer comes around? Do I you do labor over it and I do flip flop. But once I commit, I, I commit. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I never pull out. Um, wow. Um, let's talk. But if I did get a tattoo, yeah, there were a couple candidates. Okay. I was thinking it'd be cool. Did you ever see fantasy Island? <laughs> yes. Remember the little guy that would say to plane? Hooray. Yeah. Of course, yeah. What character did he play? Um, wait, was he tattooed? No, he was tattooed. He was tattooed. So <laughs> I was thinking it would be cool to get a, a tattoo of tattoo on my ass. And you could get like almost life size. You could it's got small scale back. And when you but. say, "Have you seen my tattoo?" You're saying <laughs> there's a double meaning there. I thought that would be pretty rad. <laughs> and I also was thinking it would be cool to get a little devil, oh. a cute little devil. You have some preoccupation with the dark one, don't you? Yeah, but also I just think, yeah, I think of my, I like to think of myself as a little devil. <laughs> All right. That, I'm not going to say it anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can feel your audience getting nauseous. That's <laughs> my stomach grumbling. Uh, uh, I did my requisite research because you can never do it. Uh, here are a couple things that struck me last night in, yeah. in, in, in reading up and watching some video of the Jack Black. Uh, one, I feel I feel intimidated because I feel like this is the follow-up podcast to when you and Doug Benson did your thing a few months back. Oh, my God. Which I watched in its entirety last night, which really? is amazing. Wow, thank you. So for those that don't know, you uh, you got high with, yeah, with Doug. I did get high with Doug. I got Doug with high. That's exactly that's the name of the show. Uh, not to promote another podcast, but you guys need to go seek this out because it's amazing. <laughs> Was there any regret immediate? It felt like you were going through something. Look. There was never any question that I was going to do it because Doug Benson, brilliant comedian, agreed to be in my festival. I have a comedy festival called Festival Supreme. I asked him to do it as a favor to me, and he said, yes, I will. And my policy is anyone that says yes to the festival, anything that is asked of me, I will do. Dangerous. And so I asked him to be in the festival, and it was quick pro quo, and he was like, Will you be on my podcast getting Doug with high? And I was like, oh, my God. Okay, let me just tell you, dude, I am such a lightweight. I don't know what happened to my body chemistry, but I, I barely smoke anymore because I get super paranoid and I will not be a good guest. And he was like, I will take you as you are. I will take you as it comes. And I was like, I will do it for you. Done. So it was done. I was coming on and I was thinking, you know. It's 50-50. Sometimes I'll smoke a J or bong load, and I will have the best fucking time. 
So I was like, this, you know what? I'm not going to be a negative Nelly. I'm going to go on the show. I'm going to smoke some bong loads and I'm going to have a good fucking time. It's going to be really funny. We're going to get off of some weird tangents. Unfortunately, I knew pretty quickly and he was just smoking like a chimney and I felt a lot of peer pressure to keep up with him. Right. But it, 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 it quickly became apparent that it was going to be the other kind of high, the kind where I can't form a sentence I get super terrified uh, and I get up in my head and I, and I'm like the part of your brain that is the communication center yep. just basically shuts down. And then it's like, that's it. And you go slightly comatose and, uh, and it was a living nightmare for the next 20 minutes. And I actually, have you watched the back in preparation for this? Um, yes, I did. <laughs> it was it was tough to watch. I told my wife, who was there off camera, the safe word is cantaloupe right. or whatever it was. Yeah, I think it was cantaloupe. I watched, it. and uh, she was instructed to come in and pull me out and save me and rescue me. She didn't, and she did not do it because she didn't know if I really meant it <laughs> when I said cantaloupe. <laughs> and she's like, "Also, what am I going to do? Am I going to actually just stop the stop the interview and pull you out? Is that going to help you in any way?" Or is that going to actually make it worse? Um, but here's the thing. I've talked to Doug about it, and I said, I, I want to come back on. And I, I want to come back on, and I want to win. I want to beat this thing. Because <laughs> you knock me off my stoner horse, I will get back on. It, and I'm going to train. I'm going to do bung loads. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. go on there, and I'm going to fight my inner demons, and I'm going to slay that dragon. You know, as we tape this at Cinco de Mayo, I feel like I should have brought margaritas. We Here's have... another thing, though. Yeah. Doug could have helped me a little bit more. What could he have done? Just like, uh-oh, my buddy, my good buddy's having a bad trip. Let me help him out here. Let me guide him out. Maybe with do? some relaxing, guided imagery. Yeah. And instead, he just sort of ridiculed me and then was kind of like annoyed with me and just made it shittier. Thanks a lot, Doug. But be that as it may. Right. You're going back. You're going to conquer it. It's like man. It's like it's like Packy Al Mayweather Part Two. It's inevitable, right? I think so. I'll watch. I'll be there. Um, no matter how bad it goes, you get a hundred million, right? It brings up a point that that ties into to our, our our past, which is that I, I know you weren't necessarily doing publicity for that one, but like when you go make the rounds. Mm-hmm. You, I feel like you make the best of it. You turn it into fun for yourself. You'll do crazy shit. We've done some crazy shit. Yeah. You see it as an opportunity rather than, I mean, it is a job, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, is that fair to say that, like, when you have to do the rounds and you're like, okay, let's, let's just. I just see it as an important part of the job. Yeah. I mean, we got we to gotta, uh, get people to come to our movies and. Uh, to think that, you know, you can just go and, and uh, make the movie and then your job is done is naive. Yeah. That's the thing that you do for free. You, we got paid to go out and like, now, granted, I didn't get paid to do this movie. So what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> and the answer is I'm proud of the movie. So yeah. I want people to see it. That's so I go sign. around and do it. But I feel like it's good in this context when I'm here with a cool dude. Mm land down some knowledge about not just the movie, but life in general. These are, these are the fun ones. When it gets crappy is when it goes on the conveyor belt and you're doing just straight up junket. Yeah. And it's one after the other, after the other, after the other. And you can't help it because if you're working on a line, what do you call that line? Conveyor belt. The, the, the assembly line, the assembly line. Yes. We become robots. All people that work on assembly lines all over the world, it's a dehumanizing thing, even for actors. Assembly line junkets, you're going to start getting really lame answers. And it doesn't matter how gung-ho you are and excited to give everyone a good interview. After a couple hours of the same questions coming at you, 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 you it's going to turn... Yeah, so I try to avoid those whenever it's a, possible. It's a crazy, bizarre environment. You, you know, actually, I meant to tell you this... Uh, at one point, you know, our, our mutual collaborator, Amanda Lund, yeah. uh, did a, a little pilot thing for me that we wrote up about the junket circuit. Oh, my God. That's... She, she played a correspondent in the junket world and, and killed it. Oh, She's that sounds amazing. Amazing. Um, What's that called? 
It's called Correspondence, actually. Correspondence. Yeah, soon to be hopefully on a platform near you. We'll see. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Knock on for Micah. <laughs> so have you ever pulled a, a uh, uh, an RDJ? Have you ever walked out of an interview? Did you see that recently where he had the little... I saw that, yeah. I thought it was brilliant marketing. How'd they do on their opening weekend? <laughs> Not bad. Mission accomplished. You believed that? <laughs> Sucker. Smarter than all of us. Um, ever been pissed off in an interview enough to... to Walk out. Um, I, I I'm trying to think of if there's ever been something where I was like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> Not really. I don't have that kind of sweet baggage right. that 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 could lead to that. Yeah. What's your what's your what's your button? What what pushes your button? What should, what's what's the topic I should not bring up? I don't know, but I think if I were really trying to um, do some verbal jujitsu and get out of a thing, I wouldn't just get up and walk out. That's what you do if you actually are looking for extra YouTube hits. Right. I think the thing to do is just, uh, I don't know, next question. <laughs> next question is the magical elixir. <laughs> it works every time. And if they just stay on it, I'm like, oh, man, is that it? <laughs> That's all I got. All right, well, good interview. You got you to gotta, you gotta shake hands and keep it all good and just walk out like it's just a normal interview. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a, a little bit about... Here's what I'm curious about. I always like to talk to people about like the films, the pop culture touchstones when they were growing up that they like were obsessed with. Like, what were the what was the movie, the movies, the actor, the actors that you were worshiping at the altar of when you when Young Jack Black was uh, age? John Malkovich was the the kingpin. Love John Malkovich. I saw he was the actor's actor when I was when I was growing up. I mean, in the '80s, if you were a theater major, yeah. Uh, 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 then that was that was the pinnacle because like he was he was coming out of that thing. he was coming out of Steppenwolf Theater yeah, in yeah, Chicago yeah. and he you know did True West and you could only see it on PBS if if you uh, didn't make it out to see it in Chicago or New York but uh, you could tell that he was on another level it was just realer than everyone else and he was more peculiar than everyone else yeah and uh, he was dangerous and and. Uh, and hilarious and real and just relaxed and there's just something magic about his performances it's and he was he never hit the big time in i mean he had big roles yeah but he never like hit the mainstream like oh my god he is our best actor right he never had that it like, feels like it'll ha- he's one of those that, that like, will have Penn that michael Cachet. keaton moment where like he'll get another great role yeah. and he'll kill it and be like oh wait but, but you see, look, i don't think he's even you look been- at that it, that theater stuff always kind of flies under the radar. Yeah. But True West and then Death of a Salesman, who's in, fucking incredible. And then um, Dangerous Liaisons, amazing. Uh, in the Line of Fire, beautiful. Just, uh, you know, these were the things that I was doing. I was doing a lot of John Malkovich impersonations <laughs> from like, you know, 1988 to... to uh, 1999 <laughs> was was uh all the way up to being john malkovich that's i think that's yeah. 99 yeah so the um so were you i mean you, you oh here's actually something that occurs to me when you talk about theater you've never done have you done broadway you've never done broadway have you uh i've never been on broadway but i did do off broadway at the public joe pap public theater with a a theater production uh, with the Actors Gang, yeah, Los Angeles troupe, Tim Robbins' company that he started in the eighties, and uh, it was a show called um, Carnage, and it was all about televangelism. Okay, and it was really good. Yeah, it was really funny and weird and um, and timely. And Frank Rich, the uh, New York Times theater columnist, just gave us the worst <laughs> review imaginable, and. Uh, from what I could tell, he just hated us for being from Hollywood right. and daring to bring our juvenile, sorry, excuse for theater to, to the East Coast. He's such a pompous piece of shit. <laughs> How do you feel about Frank? Oh, my God. Though, Frank you know? Rich. He just thinks he's the fucking <laughs> How about Bert, arbiter. Of, How about Ben Brantley? He's the new guy. Maybe if you bring something new, you got to get a new, new guy. But you know town. what? In fairness, though, I actually really did enjoy that review because it was so mean <laughs> and it was so. He's good at, at writing a mean review. Yeah. And uh, he just carved us up and spit us out. And you 
kind of would rather have a review like that Go to than, the than, yeah. than, a, than one that just writes you off, but one that takes the time to destroy you. <laughs> it's like, you really care. <laughs> so have you considered going back to theater? Um, yeah, you know, I get a lot of, of that live juice from Tenacious D sure, when we sure. perform live, uh, we, we do mix in some sketches and, and there's a lot of theatricality and, and we get that love from the crowd and, uh, it, it's not, uh, dissimilar. Right. Wait a second. There was like three negatives in there. Not dissimilar. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so, right. It's, so not dis- it's not dissimilar. Yeah. Right. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you mentioned Malkovich. What about uh, comedy-wise? Were you a big comedy geek, like in terms of stand-up or movies? Yeah, I loved uh, Gene Wilder comes to mind. Uh, he rode the line of crazy, uh, of, you know, just insanity. I was like, wait a second. He's super passionate or he's, you know, mentally unstable. <laughs> Young Frankenstein is pretty much a perfect movie, right? Incredible. Uh, also, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Um, and, um, some of the stuff with prior is pretty good. Amazing. Yeah. Still uh, crazy. And yeah, I was like silver, silver streak. streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, also Peter Sellers. I loved Peter Sellers. Yeah. Um, so his, his stuff like Lolita and Dr. Strangelove, just very influential. So the, Here's the other thing that struck me in, in in reading up, and obviously, like we've talked a lot about a lot of recent films, but like looking at the first, I don't even know, ten, fifteen years of your career before, you know, you were a character actor, right? Like, I mean, you really before, I guess, High Fidelity put you in a certain place as a as a supporting actor, and then you got a shot to kind of be the guy, and yeah. have been the guy ever since in a lot of things, but. Like you were in so many movies that I loved, like in like the '90s and stuff, in like these like small, bizarre, weird roles. Like, is was that an exciting badge of honor at the time? Like, I'm, I have this throwaway thing in Demolition Man. <laughs> I'm this guy in this, and was it satisfying, or was it like, oh God, when the when do I get my turn? No, I was always happy to be working. It, I never felt like God. Yeah, when's my ship gonna come in? Uh, because. Uh, it was a miracle that I was I was uh, paying the rent. Yeah, and I, I was having fun. It was my dream to be acting in things. Um, and in those days, basically, all of the nineties, I was I was uh, going back and forth from from uh, little roles in TV and film, and and uh, the Actors Gang Theater Company. Right. So, so you know, even though I wasn't getting all of my artistic jollies from those little glorified extra roles. Yeah. I, I was, I was getting, getting some good experience in, uh, in the theater. And when I ran out of money, which happened a lot, I would just go back and live at my mom's all the way through my twenties. Really? Yeah. My mom was very supportive. <laughs> Did she ever say maybe you need something to fall back yeah. on? Never once. Really? Never once. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, uh, one one that I hadn't seen in, in a long time. I watched your scene in the Jackal, which is remarkable. Oh, thank you. You and uh, you are sprawl ab- obliterated by Bruce Willis in such a graphic, yeah, horrific he way. Was a bad mofo. What do you recall of uh, of that? You 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 you're it's it's really a de- dehumanizing scene. Yeah. Well, you know, the first there's a scene where we're in my sort of workshop where we're talking about building the gun. Right. And, uh, and I say, I can do that for you. And, and then there's another scene where we're in my workshop and I'm saying, you know, the only thing is this is going to cost more than I originally say. And that was when I sealed my fate. Yeah. And I kind of deserve to be destroyed because in, in that way, no one deserves to go you that, don't that renegotiate like that. with that guy. <laughs> that guy's clearly a psycho killer. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm great with making crazy guns, but not so much with, you know. So anyway, yeah. What was it like when he shot me? That scene was intense because first, before he kills me, I run through a swamp for, you know, a good portion of the scene. It's not the coolest run. And that first run, my pants were falling down and I was so (laughs) exhausted from running through the swamp. Take one. I was like, I just need a breather. And then it's like, uh, Jack, we need to do that. Do it right away again. Michael Caton Jones, the director, is British. 
And I was like, I can't do it right now. Just give me 15 minutes. And I'll be good to go again. And he's like, bring in the stuntman. And the, so most of the run in the swamp is my stuntman Aww. pretending to pull up his pants. <laughs> and then, yeah, then he shot me to death. Did, did you learn something in watching? You see, you watch someone like Bruce. You're, you're in The Cable Guy, which obviously has like a second and third life years later as a, as a classic. Mm. But like seeing before you get an opportunity to be the guy in a movie and to see how others carry themselves for good or for bad. Did you take something away from that when it was your turn to be the guy? Did you feel like it's some, is there something incumbent on you as an actor when you're number one on the call sheet and you're carrying the load? Did I learn anything from like Bruce Willis or, or, or uh, Jim or, or Sly or, or whatever, all these or Sly? No, not really. <laughs> I, you know, you maybe always, not the best three examples. You always try to, yeah, <laughs> you always try to, uh, my thing is always just try to be one of the guys. Let's not uh, think about the the order, the pecking order on the call sheet. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully that's what I've done. Um, why are you uncredited in I Still Know What You Did Last Summer? Oh, maybe I didn't want the credit that they were giving me. Oh, there was a description. There was like- maybe I was like 15th and I was like, well, how about uncredited? I don't know. <laughs> I don't re- honestly, I don't remember. Right. Um, yeah, but sometimes it's better to be uncredited than to be credited. Yeah, it stands really, out. I wouldn't be asking really otherwise if you were slot. exactly. <laughs> um, I know we're 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 scattered all around, but another one that always comes up is Heat Vision and Jack. Anyone? Oh, yeah. Anyone that's seen it is obsessed with it. Yeah. Has there ever been? Here's what my curiosity in this in this realm where like everything is resurrected. Have you guys ever talked about like? trying to resurrect it in some form. Yeah. There was talk of doing a heat vision and Jack animated series, which I said, absolutely. You guys get it going. I'm there. Um, what happened? I don't know. Maybe it's still in the works, but, um, I, I would have loved to have done that TV series. It would have been so fun. Yeah. Dan Harmon and Rob Schraub are geniuses. I don't know if you've seen community, but of course guys, brilliant. And, um, that was, you know, it was a combination of my favorite things. It was a, a like the talking car, but it was a talking motorcycle from from uh, Kit. What was that show called? Yeah, Night Rider. Night Rider. Night Rider. Of course. And uh, the Six Million Dollar Man, the, the astronaut that uh, perfect crashed and and uh, was put back together. And now he is the smartest man <laughs> on Earth. And it was like. The perfect show. Do you remember there was like a ripoff of, I feel like there was a ripoff of Knight Rider too. There was, do you remember Street Hawk? This just popped in my I brain. I never saw Street Hawk. Do you know what I'm talking about? Was it one season? Was it a one season? I think it was one a one season, season wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like someone has told me about Night Hawk. <laughs> Street Hawk. Don't combine Night Rider no. and Street Hawk. Okay, yeah, God. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't very good. Street Hawk. It's no Knight Rider. Hawk of the streets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Knight Rider. It really, I was going to say it holds up. It probably doesn't hold up. But any show where you can have like the evil doppelganger of, yeah. the, of the lead with just so the goatee. Street Hawk would just like prey on the vermin of the city. Right. <laughs> and there was a guy, it was the guy from Murphy Brown, like the bald guy was mm. like the, the eyes and ears like back, you know, in the headquarters right. that was like helping him out. Yeah. It must be unwatchable now. I can only imagine. <laughs> I would say go to YouTube and watch it, but I don't want to waste your time. No, I'm uh, going to watch it. Street <laughs> Hawk. That sounds hilarious. Has, so something like D-Train, when, like, is that sort of where your head's at in terms of comedic sensibilities now? Would that have appealed to you five years ago? Do you find that, like, what you found funny 10, 20 years ago is what's funny today? Well, I like those kinds of projects now. Uh, just because they're original, you know, uh, and I liked the message. It, it's not a message movie, but I liked where it was coming from, you know, yeah. politically a little bit, you know, there's a, there's a, uh, a message that's kind of like, stop worrying about what people think about you. Right. We're all so obsessed and worried, especially now in the Facebook age about like, like what's, what's, uh, What's your status and profile? <laughs> How many followers do you have? Yeah. And uh, and also, uh, I liked it that there was like a bisexual character in this movie that is kind of a hero. Mm-hmm. You just don't see it very often. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, I want to be part of that. This is, this is badass. <laughs> and 
it was funny in a super dark way. And I don't laugh very often. You kind of have to surprise me. You have to shock me a little bit. And yeah. you have to get me in a way that I haven't been gotten before. Yeah. And that's how I felt when I read the script. And, you know, that's what I look for. Um, yeah, you reteaming to a degree with Mike White on this one. I mean, if you look at a, you know, a touchstone, like I, I walked out of it being like, well, have you seen Chuck and Buck? Have you seen that? Yeah. Like, then if you, if you like that, you're in. If totally. You, that's subversive. Yeah, history. it's dark and it's unconventional and it's not for everyone. Some people are going to go see it and they're going to be pissed off. <laughs> And maybe that's why I like it, too. Yeah. And I like it that it's not for everyone. Well, you know what's tough about it is that the main character is not likable. Right. When you, you come down to, to business and talk about that, that's a tough place to start from. Yeah. Because uh, what makes movies hits is when the main character is, you know, you relate to him and you love him and you, you root for him. And that's not the case here. And But that's also why I liked it. It's like, I want to, yeah, I don't see that. Yeah, yet, like, I mean, talk, looking at, at a lot of the stuff that you've done, stuff that Will's done, other successful people in, in that space, what, what gets, what's gotten you by, I feel like, is playing somewhat unlikable people and being able to kind of, like, have a natural likability and, and Well, that's the that lovable loser. Yeah. This is a different kind of loser. <laughs> right. This is the hateable loser. Hateable loser. And this is, like, the character that you see in a movie that you go, oh, that fucking turd. And you see him get stomped by the hero, and you go, yes! <laughs> right. So this is the movie about that guy, <laughs> that turd. That we follow that guy usually, around. And you know, yeah, there's something <laughs> very fascinating about it to me. Yeah. Hopefully there's, there's going to be a lot of people out there like me looking for that kind of strange uh, movie what 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 are the scripts that you get now and how depressing is it in terms of like the small percentage of things that well, actually you know make you i get? mean obviously i get a lot of like dad things now because i'm a dad <laughs> a famous famous dad so those things are always pretty mind-numbing and lame uh the movie about being a father is like oh boy that's, that's got to be really special right there's got to be something extra cool about it a uh, lot of uh, Santa Claus offers to be Santa Claus. Is that true? But now this is new grandpa's <laughs> Santa. <laughs> this Santa has got a screw loose. Whatever. There's always some new spin on, on a Christmas tale because they see dollar signs in right, it. Right. But I'm just not interested in any kind of Santa. <laughs> are, wait, are you, uh, are you a practicing Jewish man? I am a Jewish man. And I haven't been to synagogue before I had my kids go to a, a, a Hebrew school, I hadn't been to synagogue since I was 13 years old and got my bar mitzvah. Been a v very bad Jew. I wasn't even bar mitzvah, dude. But now that my kids are, you know, going to Hebrew school, it's like I'm back in. I'm back in. <laughs> just because there were some things that I liked about it. Yeah. And, and I was straight up with them. I was like, just so you know, I'm an atheist. But uh, there were some cool things. I remember I have some good memories from Hebrew school. <laughs> So uh, I'd be stoked if I could get my kids into this school. And they were like, you are just the kind of Jew we're looking for. <laughs> are you ready for your kids aren't close to bar mitzvah age yet, but, nope. but uh, that's going to come. And, and yeah. nowadays I can only imagine what the scene is like for a bar mitzvah. That's going to be like a, I mean, that's going to be an Avengers themed bar mitzvah oh, in your future or something. Who knows? I don't know. That's up to them though. They, I'm not going to say you have to get a bar mitzvah. <laughs> if they want to do it, they can do it. You, I mean, you're, you're, you're a guy that oh, – another thing I appreciate is you – we kind of alluded to this before, but, like, it doesn't matter if it's film or TV or, or web. Like, if it's cool, if it's fun, if it's new, if it strikes your fancy, you're in. Yeah. And and that uh, and that applies to, like, you know, Tenacious D is a full-time thing for you and totally. Kyle as, as well. Um, is that something, again, just, like, the criteria is just keep me interested? Make it – like, I don't want to get bored? Yeah. Um, sorry, just taking off my sunglasses. Are you having a stroke? Are you okay? What just uh, happened? No, like I'm stroke. not having a stroke. I was just, it was time to get serious. Okay, we're going, it was okay, time we're going to get, deep. it was just time to like really be present. <laughs> time really? to be here with you now. You Look around the rest of your dressing room. Oh, uh, back to the future. Signs. Huh? Michael J. Fox and who else? Uh, that's Zemeckis. Holy shit balls. Holy crap. Can you identify, I'm sure you, you know this guy. Who, who do you think painted that one, that little thing? Wait a second. So is that is that I just guessed that that, that was Michael yeah, Fox. It is. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. A and, another and, perfect movie, right? Yeah. And so you you need you need Christopher Lloyd. 
Need, definitely need Lloyd. Definitely need. I mean, Crispin Glover is going to be tough. You got to get Crispin Glover. <laughs> He's going to be a tough Leia one. Leia Thompson would be a bonus. That'd be that, be, a that'd be of, nice. Um, uh, wouldn't be bad to get Biff. Yeah, um, Thomas something. Yeah. I, can't, he's, I think he's a comic now. He's a stand-up comic. Um, yeah, I'm impressed. What about... um Not too shabby. You, uh, you recognize this over here on the right? This guy? Uh, yeah, he looks very familiar. Come on, dude. Don't no, no, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Outlander. No, oh, that, that's a great guess. Who is it? It's a sequel. It's a comedy sequel. Don't tell me. Back. Uh, 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 Ghostbusters. Yes. Yeah. Vigo the Carpathian. The sequel. <laughs> yeah. Where do you come down? I've had this conversation with a lot of people. Where do you come down on the sequel? Uh, decent, watchable, shitty. Here's what I have to say. Forgettable. I don't remember very much kidding? about it. Was it great? It's good. Honestly, I stand by it as half of a really good movie. It yeah. kind of falls apart under a lot of special effects in the right. second half. Obviously, the first one's, again, a perfect movie. I love that first one. Um, you did a reading a few years back. You got to play Ray, didn't you? I did. Was, yes. that, was that amazing? It, it was the, it, it was the, um, the character played by... Um, it was Aykroyd, right? N- yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I had a really good time with that character. Um, I don't want to brag, but I think I found some things that Dan Aykroyd might have missed. <laughs> I think he was too close to the material because he wrote it. Right. Um, and I think I put some shades on it. <laughs> you, you were always- maybe weren't intended, <laughs> but maybe gave it a little more depth. <laughs> you were always one of those guys in the many years maybe of development. Maybe <laughs> three-dimensionalized it a little oh, bit. Oh, Wow. I'm sorry, Dan. You're throwing down no, against I Dan Aykroyd. Dan. I love Dan Aykroyd. I'm um, just being you, an asshole. You're one of those guys that everybody would always ask about the Ghostbusters movie for years. So it's like, right? Like, was there ever an actual conversation with Ivan or anybody? It might have been floated. I don't think there was ever a real offer. But yeah, that that was in the in the ether for a while. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's happening now. Are there two of them? A yeah. woman's one and a man's one? That's Is a- that really happening? Something got destroyed. <laughs> there is not going to be two Ghostbusters. I don't know. You know, and yeah. everything has to be a world building. Like, you know, there's a spinoff and prequel happening. It would be amazing if there were two. <laughs> it would be amazing if there were two. Is there, I mean, it, another amazing thing about your career is you've been able to be in films that maybe early. Who's going to be the asshole that does the male Ghostbusters now? And it's like, yeah, fuck the ladies. <laughs> this is man's onlys. <laughs> We's keeping it male the ways it should be. I don't. I don't want to be in that movie no. now. <laughs> Cross him off the Fuck list. women. <laughs> we rule as it should be. That's how dudes talk when they're when the ladies are not around. Do you ever feel? Have you ever felt miscast in a film? You've pushed yourself into some places where people didn't think necessarily you were the right guy initially, but you made it work. I feel like in things like, you know, bound back movies. You're in, you know, the holiday. Like these are things on paper. You're like, wait, Jack's gonna yeah. fit into that. Did you um, feel out of place in any of those I things? I always feel like I've been miscast. I can always think of people that would have done the role better than me when I get cast in a thing. And I all, I all, well, I often tell the director, you know who you should try to get uh, and it drives my agent crazy. <laughs> I want to try to sabotage my own thing. But um, yeah, I don't know how to answer that because it's a thing I always feel. There's, okay. not, there's no movies where I was like, oh, this one especially I'm not right for. Right. It's always... <laughs> All right, last thing before I release you out. Uh, if I get, I gave you, I give you a hundred million dollars to fund any project tomorrow. Is there a dream? Is there something that like you you've been struggling to get off the ground? Because I know, as I said before, you're you're always juggling a lot of different things. So what's like the one that hasn't come to fruition yet that you need to get off the ground? Wait a second, what were we talking about? Just anything, a project. Is there a project that you want, that you're desperate to get going oh. that hasn't happened for whatever reason? Yeah. Uh, the Charlie Kaufman script he oh, wrote yeah. called Frank or Francis is the best script I've ever written. And uh, it's so weird. It's kind of musical bent too, right? Yeah, it's a musical. And um, who knows if it'll ever get made. I hope there's an eccentric billionaire that wants to make a masterpiece. Damn the torpedoes. Because it deserves to be made with or without me. Yeah. Preferably with me. <laughs> uh, are we going to see some Tenacious D in the near future? What's the, what's the latest? That's the plan. Okay. And in my heart, I'm writing it as we speak. Oh, that's but in reality, <laughs> we haven't even started writing. We have talked a lot about it, though. Conceptually, it's it's really ready to be written. 
We just need to uh, carve out some time. Are you talking about music or a f- the plan film is to or... write the the album this year? Okay. Um, you know there is a plan for a movie and a, a you know animated webisodes, but it always has to start with the next record. And um, yeah, so we'll we're gonna do some writing this year. Yeah. It's just I know how slow we are. We probably won't finish this year, but right. you never know. What's the lesson learned out of that film, out of the Tenacious D Pick of Destiny film? The lesson learned? Always record. Is that the one? Or did you have a specific lesson in mind? <laughs> no, I'm just saying I, uh, we all loved it, but maybe it didn't find the audience that you thought it, it demanded oh. and needed. Oh, what's the lesson learned from the failure of Pick of Destiny? I didn't say, I want to put it that way. Um, the answer to that is, let me see if this is a dream first. <laughs> I see you've got one of these spinning tops here yeah. from Inception. Oh my, it, it's still spinning. Jack. Holy shit, this isn't real. <laughs> We're not having this conversation. What a sad what dream What is it to that I learned from to the be on a 45-minute podcast? In the pick of destiny. <laughs> it's not going to stop. Um, you know, one of the things that I learned, it's still spinning, was uh, that the musical section at the beginning of the movie was in many ways the most captivating and incredible part. And maybe the thing to do was just to never stop singing, make it a true musical. Just go for it. Yeah. But that would have been so fucking hard because that song at the beginning was hard to write and we really kicked its ass and knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I don't know that that we could deliver 90 minutes of nonstop magical music magic. If any two gentlemen could. It's a tall order. Yeah. Um, Three gentlemen. Liam Lynch helped write that. There you go. Uh, well, thank you for stopping by, buddy. Uh, congratulations, honestly. I, I, you, you know, when we talked at Sundance, I was not lying when I said it was my favorite film I saw there. It's subversive. It's bizarre. It's funny. It's got great performances. You, Marsden kills it, like, in a role I've never seen him. No one's ever seen him do. I got to say, one of the best performances of the year. He's so goddamn good in the movie. Um, so check out the D train. I know we're not, not going to talk about the future, but in a, in a little while, watch The Brink, too, because it's, right. it's pretty cool. That's yeah, enough. <laughs> Uh, thanks for stopping by, man. Thank you. <laughs> That's the show, guys. I'm Josh Horowitz. This has been Happy, Sad, Confused. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz. Go over to wolfpop.com. Check out all the amazing shows over there. And most importantly, check back in next week for another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.